welcome to Whole Brain Teaching, the podcast. Join your host, Rhonda Arl and Laura Forehand. We want to help you as teachers reach your full potential by keeping you up to date with all the latest and best Whole Brain Teaching strategies. Whole Brain Teaching is a grassroots educational reform movement founded by Coach Chris Biffle, Jay Vanderfin, and Chris Rexstad. Whole Brain Teaching's goal is to create peaceful classrooms through orderly fun. To support the podcast, please like and share with other teachers. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. And now, here are Laura and Rhonda. teaching the podcast. I'm Laura Forehand and I am here with what I consider my whole brain teaching better half. That's Rhonda. And she has been with me through thick and thin and now we're in this podcast journey together. So Rhonda, I'm going to let you go ahead and introduce yourself and then Please introduce our most exciting guest that we have today. All right. Well, thank you, Laura. You're a whole brain teaching bestie for sure. Um, I'm Rhonda Arlt. I'm a second grade teacher in Goddard, Kansas, and I'm an advanced platinum certified instructor. I'm also assistant director of certification. And we couldn't be more thrilled with our podcast guests today. We have the one, the only founder of Whole Brain Teaching, Coach Chris Spiffle with us today. Thank you so much for taking um, time out of your busy day to come join us on our podcast and share your wisdom with us and our listeners. We are so happy, Coach, to have you on this podcast. Yes. Well, I really don't care how happy you are because I'm happier than you. I'll raise your happy 10 happies. What a thrill to be with these two wonderful instructors. Oh, we are so glad to have you with us today, Coach. We're just, we've just been grinning from ear to ear. So we know that our listeners are so excited as well. And those that are joining us on Facebook Live are also probably just as excited to see your face. But before we get started with everything and all the amazing things you have to share with us, I was wondering if you could give us kind of a brief history of whole brain teaching. What got you started? What what was the precipice for getting you started in whole brain teaching 25 years ago? Uh, it started with a heartbreak. Mm. So it's early 1990s. And I was giving a lecture on Plato, my favorite philosopher. And I had been giving this lecture for 25 years several times a semester. So without exaggeration, I'd given this lecture over a hundred times and polished and polished and polished it. Well, if you do anything, even eating noodles a hundred times, you'll get pretty good at it. And I finished and it was all there on the board, clear, lively, succinct. Plato's philosophy, wow. I was so excited. I said to a girl in the front row, good, solid B student, because I was looking for praise. You know, oh, look, this is so great. I said to this girl, I said, tell me what I just said. That's all I'm asking for. She said, I have no idea. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my gosh. 
I'm not going to do a better job on Plato in 25 more years. If my best effort on my favorite philosopher face-to-face did not produce even a glimmer of understanding, I didn't take the blame. I thought there's something wrong with lecture. Oh, yeah. Um, And you can prove this to yourself if you look at your college transcript, Rhonda. (laughs) Exactly. Your college transcript is lecture discussion, Mm -hmm. and you barely recognize the titles of those courses, much less a single thing that transpired. Are you with me, Rhonda? I am with you. I think I always said I didn't learn anything until I did my student teaching. So there you go. (laughs) All right. So Laura, this was a turning point for me. I thought, all right, no more lectures. What can I do? Well, it's philosophy. We could have discussions, pure discussion. What's the purpose of life? Does God exist? What is happiness? Can the mind know anything? What great topics for discussions. So at about 91, I dove into discussions. No more lecture. I'm just going to talk and talk and talk about what are truly the world's greatest, most interesting topics. That's what we cover in philosophy, the search for wisdom. Mm -hmm. One day, I had a, as we'd say, I had a popping discussion. A kid here talked and a kid there talked and a kid there talked and I walked out of class and I felt like, yeah, discussion. But then I counted up in my head how many kids out of 28 had actually spoken. Mm. If you said, and you know this perhaps, I have a kid here, a kid there, a kid over here, down here in the front row, over there in the back, and those two curls on the side, that feels like an incredible discussion. It was only seven out of 28. So at that point, I was, let me tell you how depressed I was. Laura asked me, coach, how depressed were you? Coach, how depressed were you? I'm going to tell you. I was so depressed. I thought about becoming a lawyer, okay? (laughs) Nothing, nothing is more depressing than that thought which I'm sure has occurred to many teachers. So I couldn't do lecture. I couldn't do discussion. Uh, It was uh, grim times. So I started trying all different kinds of stuff that I'd never seen before. Most of it failed. Uh, But uh, a book editor I was working with, I was working on a textbook, said, you've got to fish where the fish are. So... The fish, my college students, they were not, the grades, that was way far off. Uh, Learning about philosophy was not where the fish are. Keeping their professor happy was certainly not enticing to my fish. So I asked myself, what do kids really, truly want? And I came up with a radical idea. What my kids truly wanted was less homework. There was no doubt about that. That was a pond that was stacked, stocked with fish. So I went into class one day and I had a bunch of balls of paper. And I said, I'm gonna talk to you about philosophy. 
Plato, my fl favorite philosopher. And when it looks like you're paying attention, just looks like you're paying attention, I'll take a ball of paper and throw it in that corner. That's one page less homework. When I don't believe you're paying attention, I'll take a ball of paper and throw it on that corner. That's one page more homework. They stared at me. I felt like the fish in the pond had come to the surface and were looking at the fishermen. So I started talking about Plato and there was a couple of kids in the back who were like this. And I took a, I didn't even point them out. I took a ball of paper and I threw it in the corner. The one more page homework corner. And those two boys, I can see them today, unfolded their arms, put their hands on their desk and leaned forward. I was fishing where the fish are. Now, I saw that games really engage students. Laura, have you ever had the experience of going from a non-game classroom to a gamified classroom? Talk to us, friend. Yeah, when I started whole brain teaching about seven years ago, I actually a lot of what I do now is a lot of the games that you have created and it makes a world of difference in my classroom. The kids are so much more engaged and they're having fun learning, which is something that they did not get when I was a lecturing teacher. They didn't get a lot of fun out of me. Uh, Rhonda, have you noticed a spark in students' eyes when you start playing like one of our favorite games, Super Improver, are you seeing that spark that I saw 25 years ago? Absolutely, I do. They get excited. They're having fun. You mentioned fun-tricity all the time, and that's what it's all about in a whole brain teaching classroom. They're having fun. So definitely so, see that spark. It took me a while before I figured out that one page more or one page less of homework was not an ideal solution. But the idea of scoring points in class based upon student involvement, became something we call the scoreboard, which we've used for a quarter of a century. Uh, but our movement really didn't take off until 2004. Um, I had a couple of former students, uh, Chris Rexted and Jay Vanderfin, and we were soon joined by the incredible Andrea Schindler, kindergarten teacher, and we started giving free conferences. And in the world of education in those days, everybody was concerned with reading and writing and maths and test scores. It was all about test scores. So we offered free conferences to help teachers increase test scores and improve reading and writing. And we'd have about 30 or 40 teachers show up. And we thought we we're gonna change the world where well, you're not gonna change the world with 30 or 40 teachers. So one day in Beaumont, California, we offered a conference called Power Teaching for Challenging Kids. And we looked at each other like we were cuckoo. How could you have a conference about teaching kids who refuse to be taught? Mm. <laughs> it seemed crazy. But our first conference went from 30 to 90. Wow. Two weeks later, we had 400 teachers, and we turned away 500 over Labor Day weekend. That was 2004. We'd found the sweet spot. We might not be able to reach all the fish in the student pond, 
But in the teacher pond, it was stacked with teachers concerned about teaching what we call beloved rascals. Teaching kids who keep other kids from learning is the toughest task in education and our highest calling. We want to help kids who need the most help and beloved rascals present themselves as needing a lot of assistance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. That's an amazing story. Yes, it is. And it kind of brings in all of the things that you incorporated into Holbrook teaching just from that beginning, like scoreboard with just the paper tosses and all that. That's really cool. So we wanted to start our podcast today by talking about something near and dear. And it kind of came up when you were talking about that, our beloved rascals and how we can help them be glorious kind. So first, um, what is your definition of a beloved rascal? And is there more than one type? Yeah, great question. Uh, I think there's at least two types of beloved rascals. One type is the classic kid we'll call a distractor who keeps other kids from learning. Uh, On a spectrum, the distractor can just be tapping their foot all the time and moving around. But another beloved rascal is the secretor. The secretor is locked in their shell. You don't know what's going on with them. They're quiet at B. They don't get attention because they're not causing any trouble. A secretor is just inside a shell. So those are the two kinds of beloved rascals. Kids who keep others because of their behavior from learning and kids who are not connected to anyone in the classroom. There are kids in our schools who have no friends. NBC News reported quite a while ago that a third of kids report they don't have a best friend. So that's where we are. And that's our challenge and our calling. Yeah, definitely. And I think we've seen both of those types of kids in our classrooms over the years, those that, you know, you hear about the year before because the teacher is telling you all about this kiddo and how you just need to be ready for them. In fact, that's actually what brought me into whole brain teaching is I was teaching first grade at the time, kindergarten kids. I could see them because they were right down the hall. And it was like, I'm going to have that group of boys next year and I have got to do something different because what I'm doing is not going to reach them. And so there were a lot of distractors in that classroom, but I love that you point out the secreters because a lot of times we just think that's the sweet, quiet kid and we don't have to worry so much about them when in actuality they, they potentially could be that beloved rascal in our classroom. So I love how you, talked about both of those. When we met the other day, we were, you were talking to us about um, the lizard brain. And I've read up a little bit on this, but I was wondering if you could go into that just a little bit more and how that ties in with our beloved rascals. Uh, handy enough, Laura, for those of us on Facebook Live, I do have a brain. Oh, oh there's my brain. Uh, deep inside the brain is the limbic system. And the limbic system controls our emotions. And of course, we have other parts of our brain up at the top in front of our brain is the prefrontal cortex. That's where we're reasoning. Well, a lizard doesn't have a prefrontal cortex and doesn't spend time in the bushes doing calculus. The lizard 
does not reason along with many other animals. It simply reacts. It's in permanent fight, flight, or eat, mm. or mate. <laughs> Four powerful emotions. Now, when we say something angrily to our kid, we're not reasoning about what's best. If we were, we'd keep our mouths shut. When we speak angrily to a kid or scold a kid, it's straight out of our lizard brain. Mm -hmm. We are fighting. And in fact, when you see, Rhonda, when you're in an argument, you do two things. You say angry stuff and then you run away. You fight or flee. And then the other person fights or flees and you're fight, flee, fight, flee, fight, flee. That's lizard brain. So the first thing that instructors realize is, at least in whole brain teaching, if scolding made kids better, we wouldn't have any problems. We would be giving seminars on how to scold, but scolding is lizard brains activating lizard brains, and there you are in the middle of the classroom having a shouting match with a first grader. And the effect upon the other students is predictable. Not only does one lizard brain activate another lizard brain, but you may have a little group of lizards at one point or another speaking emotionally. So uh, what we want is control our tone of voice um, and don't say stuff that you regret later. Worst case scenario, Rhonda, you start to feel upset with a child, which is normal. You can't remove your limbic system. But with a little practice, you can say, Jack, and our beloved rascal is always wild Jack. Jack, I'm starting to get upset. We'll talk about this later. Rhonda, strategic retreat. Strategic retreat is not a loss. Mm. You are making a wise decision, getting yourself calmed down, and you're in control of the situation. Rhonda, have you used the we'll talk about this later? We, you know, we've only told you 900 things to try in the last few years, but have you tried this one? Yes, I have. Probably not as often as I should because that limbic, limbic system kind of takes over me sometimes, but yes, I've had. And they kind of want to start talking about it, and you just have to kind of turn and kind of keep walking away or else you get that engagement that you don't want. You know, Laura, one of the wackiest things we say to kids is we yell at them, calm down, <laughs> calm down. Can't you just get control of yourself? Like, uh, yeah. I don't think calm down in that tone of voice has ever in the history of the human race succeeded in doing anything, but getting kids calmed up. Mm -hmm. uh, but let's just talk for a second, ladies, about, Secretors and disruptors, I want to just talk about one thing. We can talk about others, but one thing that I know both of you have been successful with. So think about your most disruptive kid and your quietest kid, Laura. If you gave each of them a video game, you would see 100% student engagement. Absolutely. And the video game is so hypnotic, they will play it rather than eat or sleep. So 
I asked myself, and I talked to you and others, what's going on with video games? Let's just think about it. One, you're seeing something, you're hearing something, you're controlling movement and you're moving yourself, you're having an internal dialogue, and every once in a while you're getting a shot of dopamine in your brain when something unexpected happens. That's whole brain engagement in a video game. So we saw, and you ladies saw and testified that the closer we could get to video game whole brain involvement, the more total engagement we'd see. And so what we did was we created the super improver game, which has been trademarked now by the United States Patent and Trademark Office. We urge people to go to wholebrainteaching.com. We urge them to access the super improver. We urge them to be delighted that there's no stinking pop-ups <laughs> in the menu. The other day I'm looking for a recipe on, on, on the internet. And to get to the recipe, you have to go through 47 different advertisements. Go to wholebrainteaching.com, look at Super Improver, and you'll see a way to change classroom into a living video game. And ladies, just talk a little bit about, Rhonda first, then Laura, what effect does Super Improver have upon your beloved rascals? Go. Well, I will say it's exactly like a video game because they do level up to that next animal and they love it. I mean, that we have a little mini celebration that we have and it just keeps them going when they get those improvements for those super um, improver stickers that they put up. So definitely um, is a motivator for them to think about that and be active in that game all the time so that they keep, can keep improving and moving up. Laura, what about you? Yeah, so I always get a little chuckle because it amazes me. For years, I had the treasure box in my classroom and all these little trinkets that I would, you know, if it's almost like, um, you know, when, when my dog comes in in the morning after, you know, going outside to go to the bathroom, I give him a treat. You know, it's like, good dog, good dog. And I was almost doing that with my students, if you think about it, with that treasure box. And it just amazes me that this little star sticker that I put on their hand that they go put on their card has this enormous effect that it does. They get so excited about getting a stinking star to put on their card. And then just like you, Rhonda, when they level up, we do a, like a 30 second celebration and it's so beautiful to just see how much the students will be so excited for their classmates in their successes. You don't typically see that, or I didn't see that in my classroom prior to whole brain teaching. I saw a lot of, you know, well, you know, that kind of stuff. And now I'm seeing them encourage one another and yeah. Uh, super even celebrate each other. Oh yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's amazing. It's amazing. Super improver start or super improver game is a, it, it is literally a game changer in your classroom. The other thing to think about ladies is that when Wild Jack is playing the video game, 
his mother is not standing at his shoulder and saying, come on, Jack, if you can level up, I'll give you mm -hmm. a jelly bean. The rewards are in the game. There's something about leveling up that sparks the production of dopamine, the brain's pleasure chemical, and external rewards are just a distraction. When you give away trinkets, you create jealousy. When everybody in the class is playing the same game and leveling up, you create a mutually supportive community, something we never expected. Mm -hmm. And we never expected that you could play this game every day, all year, and still have kids wanting to play. Well, they play video games every day, all year. <laughs> So we found a way to, to really help uh, beloved rascals. But let's just, let's just start with like day one. Okay, day one. Perfect. Um, you're in class and you're talking to your kids and you're teaching them class, yes, and mirror words. First thing you're looking for is kids who return eye contact. That's the first thing that you're looking for. Then you're going to see... Well, the kids who return eye contact return a smile for a smile. And then before long, you're going to see kid returns eye contact, kid returns smile for a smile. You give the kids some praise and they react to you. You ask them a question and they give you an extended answer, not a one-word answer. And eventually, they'll come up and start spontaneous conversations. Those are the characteristics of a positive relationship. Mm. Laura, when you come home at night and your husband answers questions and smiles at you mm. and responds to your praise but won't make eye contact, you know you've got a problem. For sure. So with our beloved rascals from day one, we're trying to do these four or five things. One, make eye contact, eye contact, eye contact, eye contact with Wild Jack. Two, grin at him, grin at him, grin at him, grin at him. Praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. Ask him questions about video games. Use these little steps, which we call bond builders, to start a relationship with the kid. Now, do not do this, ladies, shooting from the hip. You do this normally and naturally. Pick out a beloved rascal, get a piece of note paper, and decide, I'm going to smile at this kid. And at the end of the day, if you got a smile for a smile, give yourself two points. End of the day, you smiled and you didn't get a smile for a smile, give yourself one point. Day after day after day, use specific strategies with specific evaluations. We've got seven or eight of these strategies, but let's just look at them one at a time. One, eye contact. Or smile. Or a greeting. Or praise. Or leading questions. I'm trying to learn how to play Fortnite. Could you help me out? Yeah. Pick one of those, stick with it, evaluate yourself, 
and you're building a relationship with a secretor or a beloved rascal, and you will get there. Rhonda, what do you think, girl? I really like that, and I hadn't really thought about building that relationship. I always thought I was the teacher, they are the student, you know, but then once we started doing this with Wolverine Teaching, it really kind of opened my eyes, and I do feel like I have that connection and that relationship with my students. And so that makes sometimes those conflicts or those hard conversations that you're talking to them about so much easier because we've established that relationship. That's a really good point. Laura, we've talked about two things for beloved rascals. One is get the super improver game going Two, build those relationships. But our summer conference, which is coming up, as you may have heard, July 19th to the 21st and Happily enough, it's free and you can still register online. We saved some seats for late registrants near the salsa bandstand. So those of you who are registering late, please wear your salsa clothes, even though it's going to be virtual. We, we, we will have a salsa band playing in the background. But anyway, uh, our theme this year is contagious kindness. There's a lot of research, ladies, that shows Kindness is contagious. Recent example from Stanford. They put a bunch of volunteers and they gave them a task and they paid them a dollar as a bonus. And they said to the people, you can keep that dollar or give it away. Now half the people, they showed them a phony survey they didn't know was phony it showed that 80% of the people getting the dollar gave it away. And the other group, they showed a phony survey, said 80% of the people get the dollar, keep it. Well, the people who believed other people were kind became twice as kind. Mm. Kindness is contagious. And so that's what we see in class. One of the first things you ladies do is you teach please and thank you. And you're welcome. Mm -hmm. Another thing you teach is that every Monday is Glorious Kindness Monday. Another thing we're going to be doing is starting the Glorious Kindness Academy at schools free. Where kids can come and think about three gloriously kind things. How can I spread glorious kindness at home and school and in the community? We reward kids in a special way. Now, ladies, listen to me. I'm begging you, listen to me. This is new. Oh. Get ready. Now, as you know, we roll dice in the classroom. Mm-hmm. We see a kid improving, they get a super improver star, and we roll a dice, which is magnetically, it's like a little foam slot machine. It's so magnetically <laughs> attended. Kids roll a dice, a one, two, or three, they get another super improver star. A four or five, everyone says, we got grit, we don't quit, and a six is a reroll. We have done this around the world Nobody, not even Wild Jack, can resist the, seeing what's going to happen when the dice rolls. Now, here is a major new feature in whole brain teaching. Everybody, please 
I'm concerned that my listeners may faint from excitement. I wish I told them to surround their chair with pillows so they don't <laughs> fall down. You know I've asked you ladies and you keep refusing to wear socks suspenders because your suspenders are gonna, your socks are gonna get blown off and maybe your suspenders with them. But here's the deal. From here forward, when we roll the dice, it's not the dice, it's the glorious kindness dice. Ah. Laura, Here's you her. did a good job today. You get a super improver star. And we're going to roll the dice. If one, two, or three comes up, Laura, you get two more stars, girl. Wow. Laura, <laughs> you get two stars. You can keep them both. You can keep one and give the other away, or you can give both stars away to other kids you see are improving. So all day long, roll them glorious kindness dice and give kids a chance to be generous and empathetic and observant of their classroom and build sweetly bonding communities with the dice. Laura. Mm -hmm. explain the contagious glorious kindness dice this is huge my friends talk about it this is huge because i have not done the the dice per se but there have been times that let's say towards the end of the year um with a couple weeks left and someone makes peregrine falcon on the super improver board that person is now in charge of helping me helping be the eyes of the classroom and noticing those students that are showing improvement and they get to give stars away to other students. And it's, it's just so amazing to see that it really is. It really just, you know, without sounding cliche, it really does warm your heart to see, you know, we hear so much out in the world of not being kind and then we can look into these whole brain teaching classrooms with these strategies, with this kindness dice that you're talking about. And we're actually showing kids how to, um, like Rhonda said, encourage one another and show kindness to one another and reward their uh, fellow classmates for those things. Um, yeah, it's, I think that's huge. I think so we can play this glorious kindness dice game anytime during our day coach. Whenever you see, whenever you see a kid improving, then you give them a super improver star. Uh, a notable improvement. Let's say Wild Jack actually raises his hand for permission to speak. That's a notable improvement. And you give him the star and you say, it's glorious kindness dice time, baby. Let's see what happens with this dice roll. And I believe my intuition is that once this catches on, you'll have kids giving away stars because there will be more pleasure in giving than receiving, which our parents said, and of course we never believed it, but there will be more pleasure, more dopamine released in the brain by helping others than by being narcissistic. Mm -hmm. And that's why we're still surviving as a world because there's more pleasure in helping others despite all the advertisements that convince us that what we really need is to smell differently and have different clothes. Despite the whole engine of advertisement, 
it really is a better, sweeter, happier thing to give, to help. That's my prediction. And just if to it make- doesn't work, Go ahead. I'll deny I said it. <laughs> and just to make that connection there, I kind of want to tie that into just the whole brain teaching umbrella as, as a whole, because um, as new teachers come in and they want to know more about whole brain teaching, we liked on this podcast and in our, in some of our summer trainings, we like to definitely refer them to all the Facebook pages. You're going to find, I mean, that's where you get that same kind of community, that, that kind community that you're talking about in our classrooms. We actually see that modeled um, under the umbrella of whole brain teaching through our Facebook groups and our Instagram. Um, you get on there and ask a question and you've got all these teachers who have been doing whole brain teaching that are just so ready to come and help you. And um, so what we see, I, I love not only seeing that in the classroom, but I love seeing teachers helping each other because sometimes teachers can be very competitive with one another and we don't see that kindness all the time. So that's, that's one thing that really drew me into whole brain teaching. And it's, it's a huge reason among other things that, you know, I continue to do it to this day and it will be what I do until I retire from teaching. So, you know, the amazing thing is, uh, is the kind of community that has been created over the last 25 years. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I have been part of many communities, church communities as well. And you know, in church communities, there can be some unpleasant words, thoughts, and feelings. In 25 years, we've had almost zero bickering day in and day out. This is, and I'm going to coin a term here, this is a bicker-less community. We're nice to each other. We enjoy each other. We congratulate each other. And one thing we don't do, Rhonda and Laura, we don't whine. We don't complain. We don't bemoan our luck with having a classroom full of wild jacks. That's our calling. It would be as if Mother Teresa, one of my idols, I went to Calcutta to volunteer to work for her. She wasn't there, but... I went to her Mm -hmm. hospital. It would be as if Mother Calcutta came on the news and said, woe is me. Everybody in my my hospital is starving. Oh, what a terrible life I had. Her joy was helping those who needed the most help. Cesar Chavez, I truly worked with him briefly in the mid-70s, would never come on the news and say, it's awful out there. I'm just working with a bunch of people who don't have any money and don't understand union. We're called. We are called to service of those who have the greatest need. Here's what I learned in Calcutta, ladies. Calcutta in the mid-70s was called the bottom of the world. There were people lying in the streets who you didn't know if they were dead or dying, and we stepped stepped over them, you know? Mm-hmm. Did it, tourists. What's mm-hmm. going on here? But what I found with Mother Teresa was that here we were at the bottom of the world, and she was helping the poorest of the poor. And I'd gone there to write about the difficulties of the suffering of the poor and to do what little I could. 
But I found that the best people are drawn to the worst problems. So I looked for the bottom of the world and I found the top. In 9-11, there were first responders running toward the buildings. There are people, beloved saints, who when they see suffering, run towards it and are there to exercise the gifts of healing. And that's what we're seeing in our community mm-hmm. is a group of people who don't bicker, who don't complain, who help each other and who are glad to exercise the calling of helping all kids, whether they're locked in their shells or disruptors or somewhere in between. Okay, so you've mentioned building relationships, you've built, you've mentioned super improvers, even this glorious kindness dice. Is there any other strategies that we could use with our beloved rascals? Uh, I will give you one more, and you'll find it on our website under power ups. And it's called the bullseye game. So here's how it works, you put up a bullseye in class. And the center of the bullseye is a five. And then in the circles that go outward, five, four, three, two, one, one is the lowest score. And when you put that bullseye up, Laura, Mm -hmm. everyone's going to say, what's that for? It's a game I want to play with one of my friends. So you take Wild Jack aside when there's no distractions. And you say, Jack, listen, this is a game I, I... brought for you and I to play. I know you're surprised that I'm not scolding you or, or threatening <laughs> calling your parent or taking you to the office. It's just me and you, Jack. This is a game. You say, Jack, uh, here are a couple of behaviors. Raise your hand for permission to speak. Follow directions quickly. Say, thank you. You're welcome. Give Jack a few choices. And just say, pick one that you think you can really improve on. And halfway through the day, let's come together and you write down on a piece of paper what score you think you got, five, four, three, two, or one. One is the lowest score on this particular thing. I'll write down on a piece of paper, five, four, three, two, or one. And we'll compare scores. If your score matches mine, Jack, you get a super improver star. End of the day, same thing. But if your score matches mine, you get another super improver star and a dice roll, and you can decide if you keep those stars for you or give them away. Here is what happens, Rhonda. While Jack has a terrible day, and he goes home a winner if he agrees that he had a terrible day. If he takes responsibility and ownership and says, yes, I shouldn't have been on the floor crying. I give myself a one. We can't get adults. Rhonda, you probably don't know any adults like this, but I do know a few adults who refuse to acknowledge that they behaved inappropriately. But the bullseye game, and there's no way out, the bullseye game 
rewards you for self-reflective honesty. And with the new glorious kindness dice, it gives you a chance because of your honest self-evaluation of giving others super improver stars. Now, Laura, listen to me. Listen. All right. Wild Jack will try to con this game. Mm. I can see a that. A very clever Wild Jack will figure out, oh, wait a second. I can behave however I want, be honest about it, and then I get some stars. I got this. See, the great thing about teaching beloved rascals is we know what they're going to do. Right. We can read their minds. We can't. So we're waiting for Wild Jack to con the game. And so he say, Jack, I really appreciate your honesty. We're moving up a level. Now the only scores are five, four, three, and two. One is out of play. And if I give you a one, it doesn't matter if you give yourself a one. We're not playing the easy version of bullseye. Now it's five, four, three, and two. And we both have to agree that you made some improvement here. So this is a game, Laura and Rhonda, that we have used maybe for 20 years, certainly for 15 years. Mm -hmm. And it's a one-on-one -on -one strategy uh, for beloved rascals. So let's just sum up. One, we want to use the super improver game to reward for improvement, not ability. Two, we want to build bonds with our beloved rascals, building the characteristics of a positive relationship, but not by shooting from the hip, by keeping a grid scorecard on how we're doing on one strategy at a time. Next, this coming year, we're celebrating Contagious Kindness on Monday and throughout the day with the Glorious Kindness Academy. In addition, with the please, thank you, and you're welcome with praising other students and with the brand new glorious kindness dice. And then we encourage you to use the bullseye game. There's lots more on our website, right. but those will at least get you through the first couple of days of school in the fall. Well, somebody on our Facebook live asked if you should um, start super improvers right away. Would you recommending it like day one, week one, or would you wait a couple as of weeks? As soon as possible, ladies. What do you think? Most people are telling us um, kindergartners can understand this pretty quickly. They understand video games. You show them the levels. You tell them some rules. And when you see improvement, let the stars fall. Mm -hmm. A few stars a week for a while so that in the spring, it's raining stars. That way, you always have incremental control of the reward. And another question that popped up was the management of super improvers. With If you have 23 kids in your class, how do you keep up with the management of that? Do you have any advice for that? Absolutely. Pick one thing you want everybody to improve on. And we go with follow directions quickly. Every kid, no matter how much of a sweetie pie they are, can follow directions more quickly. Another thing that we can see improvement on is raising your hand for permission to speak. And if we've got kids who raise their hand for permission to speak regularly, 
Say, I want you to raise your hand and ask me a question about what I just taught. And kids do not ask questions about lessons until graduate school. So those are two things to, uh, uh, to begin with. A third thing is just our great rule, make smart choices. And make smart choices is not just a rule for the classroom, it's a rule for life. So if you pick one thing a day that everybody can improve on, you don't have to do any bookkeeping and everybody knows what they're trying to achieve. Yeah. I like that idea. Mm -hmm. I do, especially with those bigger classrooms. Really good. Yeah. yeah. So you had mentioned earlier about this amazing conference that's coming up next Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, July 19th yeah. to the 21st. So what can what can people expect from this three-day conference? All right. We're going to focus on ways to spread glorious kindness at every grade level. In lessons, in discussions, in classroom management, in games. That's our focus. Now, ladies, as you know, we have five virtues. Glorious kindness, positive leadership, selfless courage, invincible grit, and brainy creativity. Glorious kindness is the number one virtue, and I'll explain why, Laura. Okay. We could have a drug lord who was a positive leader, really got people to follow him, had selfless courage, brainy grit never gave up, uh, invincible grit never gave up, and had brainy creativity in producing an incredibly successful drug empire. But if you add glorious kindness, everything dissolves. It's the number one virtue that changes the, the other behaviors into virtues. A gloriously kind person who has selfless courage, a gloriously kind person who has positive leadership, a gloriously kind person who has invincible grit, a gloriously kind person with brainy creativity. And what we're doing this year is saying, let's have everybody spread the virus of empathy. Spread the contagion of glorious kindness. And so that's what we'll be doing. And we'll also be showing some new instructional techniques, but all centered around creating what the world desperately needs. Yes. Kindness communes <laughs> inside classrooms. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. So it's not too late to sign up. Is that correct? People can still go to the website and still sign up. I don't know. I don't know. The <laughs> clock is ticking. We may turn it off in a few seconds. People are telling me, oh, look, I'll tell you right now, we've had 2,200 people registered. Wow. We do have still some more space because the rule is once you register, mm -hmm. it's first come, first serve at the conference. So if you registered and you were the first person to register, you got to be the first person on the Zoom or 300 other people will beat you out. So register and come to the Zoom early and wear your glorious kindness hat. That's all we ask. Wear that glorious kindness hat. Yeah. You know, what's so funny is Rhonda and I just did a couple of 
um, Whole Brain Teaching Basic um, Zoom, one hour trainings, Zooms, and we would get on about 30 minutes early so that you know, we could just make sure that we were both on the same page with everything. And we would always have two to three people waiting in the waiting room. So I agree with you, get on there early so you can be sure to get in because it's going to be good. You do not want to miss it. It's grade level. Yes, uh, I'll yes. be running a, a session on advanced. If you've been doing whole brain teaching for a year or two and you want to see the latest and greatest gloriously kind things, but it's grade level. It's three days. It covers all our new stuff, and we're going to spread kindness like crazy. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Coach, it's been a delight having you on. I just, you always inspire me when you talk and you tell your stories and everything. And this endeavor um, would not have been possible without your blessing one year ago today of allowing us to start this podcast. So Laura and I are um, thankful that you have given us this opportunity to move forward with this podcast. Um, what is the best way for people to get involved with whole brain teaching and stay current for all the amazing things that you have coming, coming up? Uh, as Laura mentioned, uh, we have all these grade level Facebook sites. If you Google whole brain teaching, you'll find our videos. Definitely go to the website, which I believe is one of the largest free websites in the world of education constructed by the tireless and brilliant uh, Sarah Matter. But also, we now have a way for teachers, and we get this request all the time, what about an on-site presentation? What about some Zooms just for my school? So we set up an email address, and I'll go through it slowly. The letter P and the letter D, Paul David, don't write down Paul David, the letter P and the letter D, at wholebrainteaching.com. Send us an email and we'll give you details on organizing and presenting professional developments for your school or district in person or Zoom. And let's spread glorious kindness. Boots on the ground, yeah? Let's do it. And we will put that what um that link in the show notes the pd at wholebrainteaching.com um, we'll go ahead and put that in this particular podcast show notes and we'll be sure to share that on future podcasts as we record but coach this has been an amazing conversation i'm going to echo rhonda and um you know we have the the luxury and of seeing you almost weekly at staff meetings where you continue to inspire not only us, but so many. And really from the bottom of our hearts, um, you've changed our teaching careers and the teaching careers of so many. Um, I don't even know what that feels like, but I want to say thank you. I know Rhonda is so appreciative as well. Um, Very much so. So thank you so much for being on this podcast. And I just want to thank everybody for joining us um, on this podcast, but also on our Facebook live. And I hope that there is a time down the road coach that you will come back and join us. Please. (laughs) I'd love to You know, uh, everyone needs to know that there is a starry heaven over whole brain teachers. And when you look up tonight, Look at two really bright stars. And if you use your binoculars, you'll see next to one star is the name Laura. Next to another is Rhonda. You are two of the brightest stars in the whole brain teaching firmament. I am blessed 
to know you and you bless everyone you know. So don't try to outpraise me, girls, because I will take your praise and I'll go up several more le levels. God bless you so much for the work that you've done and how much you've, you've helped teachers around the world. And I'll come back. I'll be back in a few minutes. Okay, let's just see how long we can. <laughs> okay. What do you say? Well, God bless you, coach. God bless you. Absolutely. Thank you guys for joining us today. And um, please share this podcast. Um, we want to help as many teachers as possible. So thank you for joining us today.